are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me once again, once again, is the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, uh, eagle-eyed viewers and you know, eagle-eared listeners might notice my voice is a little bit scratchy, but the reason for that is because I was in St. Louis on Thursday night, and I got to watch the Flyers break a 13-game road losing streak. <laughs> Right, and that's kind of the big story is that that streak breaks and it's Thursday night, and I happen to be in the building. So, um, guess, I'm, guessing, was, I'm, I'm guessing judging by that, we'll keep it shorter this week just to, yeah, we're going to be keeping it shorter this week. your voice a little bit. I mean, listen, I, I, I said last week when we did Monday, right after the deadline was over, pretty much. I mean, by the time we came on and recorded our show. I had already gone on air for ESPN. I had gone, you know, you had I, had a big another, I had another podcast I was on before that on OMB. So like, geez, you know, I, I think I talked for three hours straight once we were done. Our portion. Yeah, I, I get going. to leave this and then go to work where I talk all day. So I'm, I'm facing something similar today. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but like, so I, fi- and I finished that up and then Tuesday was right away. Let's say, let's start the road trip. They're on a five game road trip. Let's start the road trip and play another game. And now it's going to be different because all these people are not here. You know, yeah. like it's going to be one of those things. So it's pretty funny stuff. But And that's kind of one, one thing I did want to mention is that for the rest of the season, and if you've been listening for a while, you know that we generally talk a little more in depth about the games. The rest of the season's not going to have quite as much of that. Um, you know, we're still going to be watching. I'm going to be watching as much as I can around work and et cetera. And, you know, Kevin's still going to be going to games and covering for 97.3 ESPN and uh, Sports Talk Philly. Make sure to follow everyone over there at Sports Talk PHL at Philadelphia. Uh, so we're still going to be watching, but it's just depressing to talk about loss after loss after loss. And we expect to see quite a lot of them here. Well, you know, I'm curious to see how, like, there really hasn't been a chance to kind of see the rea- the post reaction to you know like the most pretty much the most recent game in memory and I, I was at the game on Sunday before the deadline but pretty much the most recent game in memory was Claude Giroux's 1000th on you know that Thursday night right. before the deadline and obviously the building was pretty well packed and it was done well and all that stuff but they played that one game and now they are on this road trip that spans almost two weeks. So by the time they come back and it's April already and there's only seven games left. I mean, I, I'm not sitting here telling you I expect bad crowds for a, for some of them. Like you got to look at who they're playing to and know that you're going to get some visiting fans in the building. Toronto's one of the teams. The Rangers are one of the teams. Pittsburgh's one of the teams like you're yeah, going to teams, teams that travel. Well, you're you're going to get that. But like I also look and, I, and immediately one of the things that comes to mind is. You know, they have five home games left after the first week of April, let's call it. And I don't know, you know, for all the times and I don't I'm not trying to bring another sport into the picture here, but for all the times we don't focus on all that type of stuff on the show, you know, I definitely put some focus. I mean, let's wait. I'm I'm part of a radio station that does everything. So I do have some knowledge of things. Well, and we can shout out the fact that the reason the Flyers are on a road trip is because the Elite Eight is in Philly, and we can give Nova a little shout out here. Well, yeah, but that that wasn't even where I was going with (laughs) it. No, I know. Well, like, by the time roughly, I think it's roughly April 8th rolls around. I mean, first of all, April 8th, you've got Philly's opening day. Okay. Which, uh, to be honest, the fact that that lockout didn't last. The fact that that's happening at all. Well, it's yes, it is. That's, like, already a miracle to begin with, but the fact that it came back in the timing that it did, that you didn't lose all of April, because I was sitting here basically ready to think, 
outside of maybe a Sixers playoff run for basketball, there wasn't a whole lot that was going to be going on. And this was what you had. And you were going to kind of it really was going to test like the way that we talked about games in February. Like, hey, this is really going to test who's paying attention, who's not or who cares anymore. And and that's not to fault people who don't. It was more right. of a like, hey, listen, we could see some really bad crowds and there's nothing else happening. So right. And there's like, no what, way there's no way around it. Like you're going to have bad like quite bad lineups like quite literally second game of the baseball season i'm driving into wells fargo center that night behind the game like right. i'll be i'll be showing up probably within an hour after the baseball game starts right to get there for a 7:30 game and it's one of i think it might be the only time all year i compete with a crowd because you know obviously there's not a whole lot going on in april right but nonetheless it's like that's going to be there. And the Sixers regular season wraps, I think, on the ninth or 10th also. And then you're like, OK, playoff mode for them. And there's only by the time that happens, they're only working around three dates with the with the center anyway. So it won't be a big deal. Right. You know, yeah, it'll get switched over to hardwood pretty early and it'll stay that way for a while. That's, that's going to be a day now that I think about it, because I think the Sixers play on the ninth, too. And so okay. the, Fly- the Flyers are at 730. The Sixers were listed as to be determined, which the Means only it's going to be a day game here. Well, pretty, yeah, they're pretty much it's going to be a day game. And well, not unless the only thing they think they can do is they could try to get the Flyers to switch out and be the early game. Maybe. Okay, hey, listen, you guys come in at one or, you know, or even 1230 because it's for, it's a 730 start for whatever reason, probably because of the Sixers. That's probably the only reason it would be delayed that far. Unless it's a national game. I don't think it is. It's only against Anaheim. So I don't believe it's a national game. It's just I think it's okay. usually that half hour is just a window for the building. It's just right. a little extra cushion. But we most people like it. It made me, like it makes me laugh whenever. Like you remember that game, the uh, the Eagles game that happened down the like down the stretch of the yeah. season that literally directly competed with a Saturday night flyer game, and nobody really yep. showed up to the Flyers game anyway. But. Nonetheless, it was one of the days where you're like, hey, listen, all these people competing with, like, it was funny because it was, like, something that people hadn't experienced in two years. Right. So if people hadn't experienced that in two years, wait until you've got, you know, hey, basketball's probably down there in the afternoon, or it's or it's hockey, it doesn't matter. One of the two will be down there in the afternoon. One of the two will be down there at 7.30 at night, probably. And the Phillies are playing at 4. To be fair, though, even though even all of that, doesn't compare to an Eagles tailgate. Just the the mass of people that break, come out for a football tailgate is a, is a whole different animal. <laughs> no, it it does not. That's true, but it's it's just one of those things where it's like that's it's it almost like that's almost a blast from the past that we haven't experienced in a long time. Yeah, that that like that's one of those underrated. That's one of those underrated signs that things are getting back to normal. Well, yeah, but where you look at it and go, oh, that's a lot of people there all day. <laughs> Right, it's quite literally one of the only games left that I have that I have to really plan and navigate what I like, what time I want to try to be on my way there, and uh, everything else you expect to roll up whenever and not really have to deal with a whole lot of traffic. Well, let's see. I got a Tuesday night before everything kicks in. They're obviously the only ticket in town that night, so all right, that's fine. The Wednesday game that they have against the Rangers is. The uh, the Phillies play in the afternoon, so that's long since over by the time you're ready to move, right. move forward and go. Two Sunday afternoons at odd times when nothing else is in in the city, and a Friday night. Yep. Everything else is on the road. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of games left at the Wells Fargo Center. And uh, speaking of, 
I, I finally experienced a building that wasn't the Wells Fargo Center, and I had I'd been to a couple other buildings. Um, I'd been to console or whatever it's called in Pittsburgh, uh, oh, PPG no, Paints, PPG or, now, but... yeah, whatever the igloo. Um, no, that's that. That's a different. Building oh, that's the old that, building, that, right? 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 Building. No, but it was funny um, because the reason you're making me laugh bringing this up because there's one a YouTube channel that I watch that I'll shout out on here for sure because we've mentioned we've actually mentioned the channel before when we talked about um, we've talked about jerseys before and I've shouted out this channel post to post. Okay, um, he's doing something right now where he combines like three hobbies into one which okay. is he's doing a video now where he is traveling to all of the nhl arenas on flight sim okay he's doing a series of these things or whatever and he, what he's doing with this is that because he he likes gaming a little bit he likes i think he likes planes and all that type of stuff and the idea of travel and that, that might be the, the love is like travel and then obviously he's a hockey fan and he's already said he's going to do this with all the other leagues, too, whenever he's done with all the NHL places. He actually just did Philly the other day, and it was one of his favorite ones to do because of the fact that what he's looking for is how much can I find, in, in, like, in a video game, right. how much branding can I find? Like, do I get a team logo on the side of the building kind of thing? And The Wells Fargo Center is great for that. Well, yes, but sometimes the games wipe that stuff out because of Fair. whatever reason. Because he's, he's passed by buildings that I'm sure have more to distinct distinguish who they you know who plays there that aren't showing up in this game he right. he even he does the video for pittsburgh what he did it, the pittsburgh video before the philly video because he's, he's just going by division he's kind of right. just randomizing it and then generalizing the area he does the pittsburgh video finds the arena and the arena still says it's it's this must be how old the maps in this game are. It still says Console Energy Center on it. That's funny. They're old then because it's been I mean, several years. That in it's fairness, and he didn't he didn't know what year it was because he's trying to read. He's literally trying to read it off of the poster that was on the side of the building. But on the side of the Wells Fargo Center, it still had banners for the 2014 draft. <laughs> so that's how okay. old the map. And that's not the game. I think the game pulls maps from one of the you know one of the search engines from like years ago. So that's well, not I like. At least it's not the Wachovia Center. Well, right. Like, he, you've got stuff like that. In one case, he went to go search for certain buildings. Like, he goes, obviously, like he did the Islanders. And he goes, okay, I'm going to try to find all three. Obviously, the new one's not there because it's so recent. But, right. Fair enough. But I'm going to see if I can find, like, the lot where it is. And he, fi and he finds the racetrack that's right off of it. And he goes, okay, look, look at this area. Trees back here. They probably cleared that out. That's where it is. Right. Okay, cool. You got that down. He goes to check for like he Na goes Nassau. Find, he, go, he goes to check for Barclays Center and finds okay. that, and, and it was no, no uh, th not much branding on it. Other than it did say Barclays on it, but didn't have much. Oh, right. He goes to find Nassau. And Nassau. He finds it, but Nassau looked like this tiny little thing that like came like in terms of a rendering in a map came like an inch and a half off the ground. Okay. And these other buildings are coming off, and they're like a foot off the ground in this scaling that they're doing to show you it and whatever. Like it looked way more realistic in terms of size. This looked like nothing was there. That's funny. It was really funny. And because you, you hear him sitting there, like, and it's funny, he's doing these and he's getting very disappointed about like ones where he can't find branding or he can't, or it's not like one of them, he flew over and, and it's like, what was it? It's not there or something. Oh, Buffalo. I think it was like, there's nothing there. Like it's, it's there, but it's like this little two-dimensional box, so you can't even really see the arena. Okay, that's funny. And, and he's like sitting here going, "Like what? Like this is very disappointing." 
it's it's pretty funny stuff because he does he's got a lot of stuff that's like he's got a lot of different branches for the type of stuff he posts. It's it's kind of a fun respite from like a, a channel that does straight up hockey talk. Like hey, right. I'm gonna talk about whatever. He does it on rare occasion, but you know, yeah, post to post seems cool, and maybe uh, maybe at some point we'll reach out and see if you know invite him on the show. I, yeah, I don't know if he does a lot of that type of stuff. He his collaborations are much more. You know, like he does his collaborations are much more. Hey, people send me stuff and I'll review it like he does. He does a lot of Jersey concept videos. He does a lot of things like that. He's much more of a Jersey content kind of guy than Fair. anything else. But nonetheless, I mean, we we could find multiple channels that we could pull from so, down the line. There's a so lot real quick, since you mentioned jerseys, we don't have to spend a ton of time on it. What's your opinion on the reversible Toronto jersey? I didn't hate the one that they actually wore in game. That... The 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 t- Toronto Maple Leaf side of it thing. Right. Like I actually think that that's a. I don't like the way that the logo looked on the front in terms of like it looked like it was almost like cut into pieces. I guess okay. that's the best way to put it. But I didn't think that the idea of having a solid black jersey with blue striping, and the blue logo on the front. I didn't hate that to be honest. It sure. Was, it was very. Out, it was very outdoor game of them, kind of in a way. Kind of reminded like that, me. But it was cool. It was. It kind of reminded me of the jerseys from the All Star game a couple years ago. The, oh, in St. Louis, I think. Or yeah, yeah, the, one, the ones with the music notes on them. Right, which or, is or like the, 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 the plain horizontal stripes through the middle. Yeah, right, because it was supposed to represent a musical staff, and yeah, like that's musician right. talk coming out for me. But nonetheless, I understand. But it, it, that was a cool concept because everybody had the same kind of thing going. It was either. The, it was either all black with like gray stripes or it was white with gray stripes going through it. Kind of. Right. And I'll be honest. I didn't love those as all-star game jerseys. Cause it just, cause I think all-star game jerseys should kind of be bright and colorful and like a big flashy advertisement for your game. But as a, an alternate Jersey kind of inspired off of that, I did like what the Leafs did. And I think it looked really, 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 really I, good. You know what I did like about those all-star game jerseys as opposed to this year's or a lot of other years, there's an element of it that I like that they blended everything together to the same color scheme while putting the team logo for the player on the front. Okay. Like, it's still a good representation of the player without necessarily changing up. Like when you're wearing two distinct colors, you still know what team you're on. Right. For so sure. It, so it's not like they all had to just wear the NHL logo on the front. Now, I, I'm not saying that I would take that away. Because that makes a lot of sense. I actually didn't hate this year's versions of that. To be honest, it was this year's versions was very world North America again. Yeah, which I and kind I of dug like, that. color scheme wise, it was very that, mm-hmm. and I I am a fan of that. So, actually, you know what? It was that. It was it was the days of the fantasy draft with like team. I mean, the first year they did it was what team Char and team Alfredson or something like that. It was something crazy like that back in the day. I remember. I man, that to me, that's my ideal format. Fantasy right. fantasy draft all star game is my ideal format. Yeah, because you well you like it because of the fact that a that like much like the NBA is doing right now, it, there's some ribbing involved to who gets picked when, which is always a well, fun right. thing because you want personalities to come through. Exactly. And then you and then you mix up players like that you don't see commonly, like the idea that you could get, you know, just for example from oh. this past year that you could get a Johnny Gaudreau playing with a Claude Giroux because they're not in the same division, not in the same conference. But draft oh, to the same team. Ovi begging to get picked last. I need a car. Don't pick me. 
Right, but even even down to something like because <laughs> like Ovi and Crosby would play on the same team, conference wise or division wise. Oh, right. But what if you got an Ovi McDavid situation or a Crosby oh, McDavid man. situation? It's like it's it's everything that you want to see in either the Olympics or in the World Cup kind of stuff. Right. And, and like, how you get it, it like you would you be able to get in an, an All Star game at three on three. For the right, I was going to say for the record, I like the three on three format. Keep the three on three. Keep doing the exact same tournament you're doing because I like that. Just fantasy draft your rosters, man. Just throw all the players you, in a pool, especially if you're going to do it in a place like Vegas. Would you Come do on. it? Would you keep the format also the way that it is in the sense that the three on three is fun? But I don't think it, like you can't just do two teams of three on three constantly. You're going to have a game that's like no. twenty five to. Four teams. Right. No, no, so no. Four, still four yeah. teams so still four do the tournament. I want four captains. That's great. I think that's a good idea. That's even better. You have you're you're gonna have trades, you're gonna have shenanigans, you get to Ooh. put an event on. Well, we had a trade. What was it? They they traded uh God, it wasn't it wasn't Suban for Weber, right? Who somebody did no, a trade and it was, it was a meme was. of no, a no. trade. I remember that it was a meme of a trade, and I think it involved Tyler Sagan, but I can't remember exactly what happened. But you're going to have stuff like that. And with four people, that's just twice as much capability for shenanigans. Come on. that You can't tell me that a two-hour production or even a one-hour production, however long it's going to be, of a fantasy draft with four NHL captains. Yeah. And even if you want to go one from each division just because that's a nice, easy setup. Well, sure. Like you do the same thing you did this year where it was – you know, I mean, obviously circumstances changes, but it would have been what Ov McDavid, um, trying to figure out who else had captaincy, if you will. Like Drew ended up as the captain because Ov wasn't there, but Ov was the right. Captain. McDavid was definitely it. I'm, I'm who would who would have been in the central? Was it Kane? Uh might have been. It might or, or or did Kane even participate? Now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember Brinkett, to be honest. I think it was in it for Chicago. I remember that, but I'm trying the to. The All Star Game feels like it was six months ago. It really <laughs> does. I, I don't remember any of this stuff anymore. Um, one of the <laughs> the Atlantic would have been somebody from one of the top teams. It would have either been you know a, a, probably a Boston guy. It could have been one of those types of guys. It was, or oh no, you know it might have been Matthews in the Atlantic because. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Matthews. Yeah. So you get so you there you go. So you're taking part of that away because you get Matthews, McDavid, Crosby, or Ovechkin, and then pick a guy from the central. Oh, the central probably would have been McKinnon. Okay. There you go. But like like, like that, McKinnon. And and get those four superstars and say you pick your team. You're three people on the ice. Let's just throw this out. It could be uh McDavid, Kaprizov, Hedman. Ooh, that's fun. Come on. Like, come on. <laughs> Caprice has scored uh, another goal late last night too, which I, I know he did. He is he is something else to watch. He is sensational. All right, do we get back to this road trip? Yeah, I think we get back to this road trip and specifically this game against the St. Louis Blues because it's the only game I really care to talk about in detail because it was my first game in over two years. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try to get us. I'm gonna try to get us into the St. Louis one really quickly by just yeah. like brief recap of the other two because there's not much to talk about. God, we do have so, to mention the Detroit game, don't we? Well, the, the Detroit game. I don't want to just dismiss, like, first of all, it's a game where the score looks worse than what it was because it certainly. scored two empty net goals at the end, which I don't, I certainly don't understand at all what the strategy was at the end of the that The first game. goalie pull was bad. It was awful. It was just executed now, supremely poorly, and it seemed like the guys I, on the ice didn't know the goalie was out. I'm thoroughly convinced the Flyers tie that game, not late in the third, but they tie that game if they don't give up the third, the fourth goal at the end of the second period. Okay. If it's 3-2 going to the third, 
the way that they started to play throughout the third, especially, I'm convinced they would have tied that game up and it would have been possibly an overtime situation. I agree. But, you know, and I give them credit for kind of clawing their way back at that point because when when they give up the third one and it's now 3 nothing. I mean, the first period was just awful and it was it was really not a surprise at all. And then the third one, you know, okay, the third one was probably the one that made a lot of people start to tune out because the second period wasn't starting any differently. And, you know, like, Joel Farabee scores right away after that, and you go, oh, okay, Joel Farabee scored. That's cool. And then they, and then they get another one, and it's, like, early enough. Like, it's still before the halfway point of regulation, and you're like, oh, well, 3-2, okay. And they pushed for most of the rest of the second period until late, and that's when they give up the one that I kind of figure was the dagger. You know, and that was pretty much all she wrote on that one. I mean, they were in the game. They got they got the third one to make it a one-goal game again, and then the goalie pull was just terrible. So they really didn't have, you know, it's one of those games when they play a team like Detroit and you see how much young talent they have. De- Detroit's on their way because Detroit will, at some point, with Lucas Raymond, with Mort Sider, with, you know, with Zadina, with the way Vran is playing right now after coming back from his injury. They've got enough good young pieces that eventually somebody's going to take notice of how close they are and be be like, hey, you want me to put you over the top? I'll put you yep. over the top. And some free agent's going to go in there at some point. I don't know which one, but somebody's going to decide, hey, you know what? I can do something here. By the way, I just wanted to mention it. It's been a while since – it feels like it's been a while since we played Detroit, and I didn't notice him too, too much in the last game. Moritz Sider is good. Sider didn't have the best game against the Flyers the second time around. The first time when they came to Philly, he was outstanding. Right. But then and he played them again over the weekend. I don't think he was as and he might well, I, I think he was noticeable enough though. He scored the game winner that day, I think. Yeah, he was very good. Like I think he had a game below his standards for the season he has been having, and he still looked spectacular. He, yeah. So okay, so he's starting Sider to look a whole he's starting to look a whole lot like everything we wanted Sam Moran to be. I don't know about that, because I feel like they're two no, I feel like they're two different players. I think he's what everybody wanted Shane Gossespierre to be because he can defend better. Man, but, but he's he, got some he's, offensive skill set. He's also big, man. He is big. I'm not taking that away from him. He's big. He's but got he's, that big German tank musculature. When, when you think about the way that Gossespierre was advertised as a skater coming in and then watch him skate, it's everything that they wanted, you know, in all of the other areas because he's not just a. Gossespierre became a kind of a one trick pony. Yep offensively with hey it's just get it back get it back for the crapper from the top yeah yep. just just he's gonna unload and defensively you knew what kind of player he was cider's a better defender and cider's got more versatility as an offensive defenseman because he's doing it in so many different ways he's got some skill moves to his game he's you know he scored a game winner against the flyers earlier this year because he just let go a wrist shot through a screen yeah. that's he, it it's nothing he complex. is a spectacular talent yeah, he really is. And I look, I, I like Lucas Raymond a lot out of that group. I knew that was a good fit for them when they drafted him. That's not a shock. But everything else about, you know, that team as an up-and-coming team, I, they've got guys who are veterans who are perfect for them. Yeah. Like like I said, I think Vran is still young enough that you don't even have to, like, he's a veteran, but you don't have to look at him as a guy who's got no future. Like, I think it's Sam He was Goss, on that like, Washington Cup team, right? Yeah. He's got I that think, experience? Okay. I think that, like, I think a guy like Sam Gagne is perfect for them. 
absolutely so perfect for them in yep. this situation. And even even defensively, like you get a young guy like Cider in there, and you're going, hey, you know who's going to play next to you? Danny DeKaiser. Yep. And you go like, yeah, is DeKaiser a great defenseman? No, he's not. Like he's not great. He's perfectly adequate at this stage of his career. But you know you've got more coming from a youth standpoint, and you know you can go out there and probably spend some money down the line. I can't wait for three or more, three or four more years. The Red Wings get real good again and start clashing with the Colorado Avalanche again, while being run by Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman. Oh. Come on, come on! Tell me you don't love that. There's a lot of teams that are hopefully like going to put themselves in that position. That like, I think that might be a good way to finish off. The show is once we get past a couple of these things is to talk about where the playoffs stand right now and who we're starting to look forward to seeing. Because yeah, we can we can touch on that towards the end of the show obvious, for sure because we are we are going to focus. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show that we're not really going to talk a whole lot about the on ice game to game results out of the Flyers and uh, we're going to start generalizing that kind of stuff a little bit. And I think we're definitely going to turn our attention towards the playoff race a little bit because. At the end of the day, Kevin, you and I are both hockey fans, and when mm-hmm. the fly- when Flyers hockey stops, that doesn't mean hockey's over. So, no, we're yeah, we're going to still be invested in it. We'll definitely be covering yeah. the playoffs here on the show. So, oh, um, so I guess let me briefly speak. You you already mentioned Colorado, so I'll briefly gloss over that game. Yeah, which was, which was I, I think the words I used on Twitter were over before it started. Um, I mean, how early did it, they didn't give up a goal until seven twenty in? Kadri scored. And then, actually, what people don't remember is it was tied. Van right. Riemsdyk scored to tie it up in the first period, and then, and that was thirteen minutes in. So you're down to the final seven minutes of the first period, and it's a one-one game, and it's kind of like, oh, you know, huh? That's interesting. They're actually still in. Like they're getting outplayed, but they're in. They're still in the game. They're technically still in it, right? Like it's tied, and McCarr scored a power play goal right after, and then Comfer scored, and then Rantanen scored, and Comfer and Rantanen both scored in that period off of flyer sticks. Yep. So it was that kind of game, you know, yep. like Nick. Not Steelers a whole lot Martin Jones could Nick do Steelers, about it. Well, no, it was that was Hart that night. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Jones got start in Jones St. Louis. started in St. Louis. Yeah. But it, it, it's going off Nick Sealer. Like it was. You know, what was funny. It was the exact kind of game, and they, they, there was a there was a change because Oscar Lindblom didn't play in St. Louis. Came back right. to Colorado, and, and Travis Konechny played in St. Louis well, and then played really play on well Friday. With and while dealing with a little bit of an injury, so like sure. there's guys banged up that they didn't play. And when you keep taking out, they played three games this week, all of them with 11 forwards, seven defensemen. And when you take out guys like that forward wise, even you know, even if Limblom has had like a year where you're like, hey, listen, he's not the player that he was like two years ago when he was really getting hot right before everything, but I'm sorry, I look at that defensive group of seven and go, uh. What did why, you expect? Why have seven of these people earned a, a spot in the lineup? No, I don't say that because <laughs> the fact that I sit there and I go, okay, like Sandheim Ristolainen is a regular pairing. I can't take that away. Sure. And, and I'm, I'm not For minding, better or worse. And I'm not minding Provorov York. I, think I York like Provorov York. I think York getting some big time is important. I think it's very important. The bottom three of that group, because now it's not even bottom pairing, and you're going, right. you're rotating Yandel, Sealer, and Connaughton. The they really are just—they really are just jumping through hoops to keep Keith Yandel in the lineup, huh? No, I don't think they're jumping through hoops at all. I think it's what they have. Okay. Even Zamula was hurt this weekend again, so he wasn't in the lineup for some reason. So until they can bring him up for good, 
you're not going to see anything different. Like, embrace well, the fact that York is getting legit playing time, and the rest so, are going to be there. It's just so, the way it's going to be. But it, th that whole first period, Kadri's goal is through a screen. Who's screening the goalie? Nick Sealer. The second goal is a power play goal. So, no, are those guys on the ice? They are not. But the guy in the penalty box was Connaughton. Right. He took the penalty. And then one off of Sealer's stick, one off of Yandel's stick, into the net. And... That's all there that's is. All that's all she wrote, four, right. But that's four goals right off the bat out of six that they end up scoring in the game. But four out of six right away that you go, well, it, those defensemen are the ones on the ice or yep. involved in it in some way. Like, you're giving one of the best power plays in the game time because of a penalty by one of those players. And then three other times they score because something involving that player is an, right. is a part of this thing in one way or another, and it's it was one of those nights. That's how they that's how they play, but still, like that's it's frustrating to watch when you go. This is the best that they can put on the ice right now against a team like that. Like, well, like, I, I like I don't want to hear next season. I don't want to hear any of those three names. No, and, and if and if any of those three names are back in some, Chuck capacity, should be fired. Well, he will be anyway, probably. But that's uh, the point. That well, yeah. Um, so one thing that these uh, these lineup deficiencies have caused, in the addition of Sean Couturier still not being back and uh, Scott Lawton being out injured, is that we saw some of this uh, this week. And if you're watching on our YouTube channel, I just popped up a banner. Uh, Joel Farabee played some center this week. Yeah. And this isn't something we've seen a lot out of him in his career. I don't really think he played a whole lot of wing at lower or at a center at lower levels either. He but he looks okay. He was kind of listed as both coming okay. up towards his draft year. I, I think one of those things where the best player just tends to play in the middle not at, at lower levels. Not necessarily. I think he just had experience at both kind of going through it. And then once okay. he was really on the development team, he was a winger, more of a winger at yeah. that point. But it's always been there. I, I like Farabee's the type of guy who I don't know if it's documented all that much, but he's the type of guy who post practice will go and do some face offs. Probably, I believe just, that. Just to just to keep it sharp, just to keep it hey, fresh, learn new things. Like Farabee, kind of like Konechny, is a guy who you're not afraid to put in the face off circle if you need to. Like if if your guy gets kicked out, you somebody's got to go take it. Right, you shouldn't fear him being in the face off circle. I don't know that center is a natural position for him, but you don't fear it. I'll be honest. I haven't seen him win a whole lot of draws. He, the one, the one game he was at least fifty percent. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Well, noticing, you know, I I made a point to kind of watch it Thursday while I was there. It seemed Thursday like he, he did not have a good day with. It seemed like he lost a whole lot of draws, but you know that team does have Ryan O'Reilly, so that you know that accounts he, for something. Against um against Detroit, he was forty two point nine. Now, granted, the team as a whole is losing more than fifty percent. Like you take Claude off the team, you're and Sean Couturier too. Well, yeah, essentially, uh, he two of the, two of the top three or four in the NHL every single year, often the top two. Do you know what I think is happening with his face off percentage? If I'm honest, he's coming out and in certain games starting off really strong, and I, maybe it's as the game gets a little bit more out of hand. And that's when, like, it's like because that's I remember seeing games where he's at, at, was, was at least at fifty percent, like in the first period, okay. halfway through the game, like whatever. Well, and maybe as these teams get out of hand, you know. 
Well, and maybe it's one of those things where there's a bit of a, a leveling game to the face-off, like how you actually go about it. Maybe guys are just figuring out his tendencies, and later in the game, you're well, winning right, more face-offs. Right, especially if you haven't done it. Like, right, especially if you're not as experienced like, with like, it. Like, you're right. Like, when you're, look, when he's playing Colorado, where he's playing St. Louis, you've got O'Reilly on the other side, you've got McKinnon on the other side. Like, these guys could take you to school. He's playing, he is playing as the top-line guy, kind of. Right. Theoretically I mean... speaking. So you're not exactly getting a relief of guys you're facing in face-offs to start with. He probably would be winning more if he was doing it like third line. Probably. Of. If he if he got some better matchups and not going against Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> but let's go into let's go into that because first of all we had a kind of a little bit of a side discussion about this whole topic because you know I, I'm a look, I'm of the thought process of why not. Sure. Well, A why not and B, I think the player expresses an interest, how can I help even further? I mean, okay. you here's the thing with Joel Farabee. You've got a guy who sure looks like for, you know, being a pretty humble type of guy, as it would appear, because the whole there was a whole big thing when Giroux played his 1,000th that that he Giroux had said, oh, this is a guy who's going to break my records. And Farabee's very much a, nah, come on. Like, uh, no, don't do Relax, that. right. Like, or whatever. And he's been one of their best since, as, you know, as is kind of expected, because he's been one of the best players on the team for the last two years. But he's continuing to do a bunch of different things like his game is very rounded right it's now evolving. in terms of in terms of he's obviously not like he's still scoring he's still setting guys up he's still showing off good skating ability but now he's playing center he's playing a different position defensively to an extent he's playing he's taking faceoffs he's, he's fighting he, people he, well he's willing to fight people even if the right. linesman won't let him well and then he did later on he did in the Colorado game I, I gotcha. I just, oh, right. Like I'm saying, man, so, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there in the building, and I think I'm gonna let watch Joel Farabee drop the gloves, and all of a sudden the linesman's diving in there, and I'm I'm standing up screaming. Just so you know. Oh right. <laughs> but either way, like it was, you know, he's doing a lot of things where it's like he's willing to be that guy, and you know, I I, I know maybe one of the questions, and we don't have a banner for it, but it's okay because one of one of the questions that comes up a lot is who's the next captain of the team? And I'm not saying Joel Farabee is. There isn't one for the rest of this year. You know what? I was going to bring this up. Are you surprised if Joel Farabee's wearing an A next year? That that I might not be as surprised about. Like, I think it's too early to put the C on him. I'm not going to, you know. I No, I think, uh, first of all, and this is why they won't name one for the rest of this year, you got to see who even makes it. Yep. Like, to be honest, I don't even know if you can sit there and and I'm not trying to sit here and say, like, some of the obvious shouldn't be on there. Like, listen, you could sit there and just as easily say, you know, he's not playing for the rest of the year, which makes it a little bit different. But you could easily just say, Sean Couturier, you're it. I have a feeling that's the answer. Uh, and this is all, of course, assuming Claude Drew doesn't sign back, which we've talked ad nauseum about. You're right, right, right. But, you know, and we're not going to get into it. But assuming he doesn't, because that's the most likely option uh, of the guys you have here, I think Sean Couturier is the easy answer. It's definitely the easy answer. Now, I don't know if it's going to be the right answer. I see other candidates that are veteran-type players. Like I said, I think I think Scott Lawton's well-liked, so I think he's a dark horse. I think an ob- another more obvious choice, not as obvious as Couturier, but an obvious choice is the way that Cam Atkinson is as a veteran, okay. that you could very easily and, go there. And he did pick up the A immediately upon Claude Giroux leaving. Well, he did for now. I don't know. Sure. Well, sure. Like, no, because I'm saying like Lawton was wearing it for a little while and he's not playing. And Couturier has is not there. Couturier there's, is not there. There's, there's guys- flexibility, flexibility in the captaincy group. I understand that. But the fact that Claude Drew left and then the next game Cam Atkinson was wearing an A. Oh, exactly. So 
those are things right now for me that I'm like, I, they won't name one for the rest of the year because why bother? Nor should they. And I, I, I think the whole case of that right now is who's even here next year? And I don't even mean like, and I definitely don't mean it from the sense of, oh, well, you don't know if Claude Drew's coming back or not. Like, I don't mean it from that. I mean, how aggressive is this retool? Pretty much, but not just how aggressive is the retool, how how aggressive is everything? How much changes yep. again on the roster where you're like, hey, listen, you know, because I feel safe in talking about the three names that I just brought up yeah. pretty easily because I don't think they're going anywhere. I agree. But you've got other either other veteran guys or other, I'll call them younger veterans because they've been here for a while, but they're not old players by any right. stretch. Like... The Provrovs and the well, we've Konechnys had the discussion. And... Is Ivan Provrov going to be here next year? Is yep. he is, a possible off-season trade? Is Travis Konechny going to be here next year? Is Travis Sanheim going to be here next year? Is there's a lot of that middle? I, I did answer a lot of these questions on OMB, by the way. And I, for one, I, I think the Sanheim one is the easiest one to answer. I think he's here. Okay. Because, and I say that because of the fact that a you don't sign Ristolainen into the deal you just did with everything being hey I like playing with Sanheim and then trade Sanheim. Fair. You know, after a month and a half more of games. And by the way, I want to, I do want to say that playing next to Rasmus Ristolainen, Travis Anheim has looked a lot more confident in terms of taking the puck and pushing the rush. Yeah, when he wants to, and when he, he needs to. to continue. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he is good at it. And I think when he is doing it and doing it with confidence, it is right, a right, supreme right. benefit to the team. It's def. It definitely is, and he's done enough. I mean, listen. It, I think it was. I think it was the Detroit game, if I'm not mistaken. Ristolainen had an awful game. It, it, it was the Detroit game. He now, basically pushed Carter Hart into the net on the first goal, and then I think he deflected the second one in. Yeah, he had, Rasmus Ristolainen had a. He tough was a night. he was a minus three pretty quick, I think, or or something of that sort. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't think it was a straight up minus. Maybe it wasn't a straight up minus, but you get the point. Um, it was not good. He they did bounce back in St. Louis. They had like. That pairing had a good game. A lot of them had good games in St. Louis, to be honest. It was a surprisingly good game. They knew I was there. <laughs> yeah, I guess that means you got to really start traveling, don't you? I Listen, if the team wants to pay for my accommodations, I will happily follow the team on the road. I mean, you saw what happened when they went to Colorado, and they play, they play you know, post, post-recording this, they're playing Nashville. Um, you know, Nashville can definitely, I think Nashville now, if you take away Justin Braun, Claude Giroux, Derek Broussard, who all were involved in that game a couple weeks ago. And Drew didn't even play his best that night. Drew was probably thinking 20,000 things, Yeah, you know, with what was going to happen down the road. He, he, he wanted one in the first period or two. And then in the third period, it was almost like, hey, listen, they're in this game. Everybody else is finding a way to win it. And he's like, I, I kind of just want this moment to be like to an extent. I want this moment to be over because I know, like, I'm almost dreading this part of it. It's oh. it's the wave goodbye. I know what's going. Like, he didn't want any part of the ice after they dragged know, the, him like, onto the minute. ice. Well, no, he didn't want any part of the ice in that last minute because, and he said as much because he's like, it it was it was starting to get emotional, and I'm like, I don't even know if I want to be out there for something like that at this moment. Like, fair enough. Like they're trying to win a game. I don't know if I'm going to help. I I'm like the right. I'm feeling everything. Nashville's taking this way more competitively than me at the moment. He was well, soaking it all but in. So were his own teammates. Like his teammates, sure. and you're going, hey, we want to win this game for him. And he's standing on the bench, like, don't put me out there. Don't put that on me. You, you know, I'm not in like I'm not in a like a mindset right now to finish this game off. I know what I'm doing in 60 seconds here. You know, but 
that's a really good like Nashville's a really good team, and I'd wonder, you know, this might allow us to start shifting gears to a couple things around the league. But yeah, well, as we're still talking about the St. Louis game a little bit, but because well, because I want your opinion because you looked like you had a good vantage point for a lot of what happened. I mean, you were down the end where they scored. I saw times. I saw six of the seven goals in that game. Well, that's right. Okay, the Flyers won five two, and six of them went into the net down the end. I was sitting. Had, the only the one yeah, let's see yeah, the connecting goal in the first period came right at you pretty much. I mean, he was shooting right in your. I direction. saw the angle perfectly. I think I knew it was in, maybe not before him, but I knew it was in before the scorers did. Okay. Like you just he just came down at the perfect angle and he circles from because they shot down they yep. shot down your end first and third, so that would be connecting scoring the goal. Uh, the two, the whatever was in the third period. So Hod, Hayden Hodgson scored his first NHL goal. That's a great in story his first goal. NHL game. The guy and who it, played, they popped it up on the screen the other uh, the other night against Colorado. They did because this was a nationally, well, this was a nationally streamed game, right? You know, but they do this. They put this game on the like ESPN Plus Hulu type stuff. So locally, when they came back for Friday, they highlighted the fact that now Hodgson was playing again in his second game. And he's played for six ECHL teams in his career before getting to this point. Like he played and spent five years in the ECHL. Right. Like he's twenty six years old and spent five years in the ECHL. You're at a spot where you're like, I'm going to do this for the video because it's the only way I can describe yeah. it. Like, but you are this close to giving the whole thing up. Yep. That's well, how and, close you are to being done with the game and hey, I'm out of it. And, and you know the whole story, right? He got cut by a skate in the game. Yes, I did see that story. I mean, I, I, I got look. I got to give credit to the guy who really covers him throughout most of the year. And like Tony yeah. Androkadis is that? Yep. Hey, I like that guy. But like, but he got cut by a skate a couple years ago, seven inches wide and three inches deep. That I, skate was in his leg. That's that story or like uh, the story was written like over the yep. course of the week because he got, got called up. That happened. What? Like two weeks before everything shut down. Right. Yep. It severed muscles in his leg. Like he has a devastating injury and that's how he spent the start of all the COVID stuff. Of the pandemic. Right. He was in the I believe he was in the hospital for several days. I don't know if it was right when COVID started, if he was already was home close. at that point. I don't but remember the exact I'd have to go back and look up the story. It was probably at the point where ERs were or hospitals were nervous about COVID. And he was there sure getting there treatment is- for a leg injury. Right. And like it's crazy. Crazy that here he is two and a half two plus years later. With two points in one game, two points in his first NHL game. There have been some unusual goal scores over the course of the week in general. Yes, very strange. Uh, Even including in that in that uh, St. Louis game on Thursday, like Patrick Brown scored a goal. Yes, like okay, nothing nothing crazy unusual in the Detroit game. Farabee, Limblom, Van Riemsdyk. I mean, and listen. I see the comments all the time because there's a lot of people who throw out there, oh, there's JVR scoring it like when it doesn't matter. And it's like, I get it. Like, we don't need to be told every single time. Hey, they're, they're, the, the JVR story is coming to an end. They're either going to ship him to an Arizona I, or somebody again, like that, I, or they're going to buy him out. I, I already said that. Either You've here, called buyout a, a number of times. I've called buyout because I think it's the only option, and it's not really the only option. You can I trade. don't think it's the only option because Arizona no, needs bodies. They do, but I don't know if they're going to go for that one. They might go for somebody else. They need to get to the cap floor. I know, but they, they'll find they, – believe me, they'll find a way. Have you looked at Arizona's cap friendly? They only have like six players signed for next year. 
they'll still find a way to get there. Like, Man, they're gonna they're gonna take how are you gonna, a lot of these. How are you gonna sign people to play in a, in a building of thirty two hundred people? And you also you're on the road till December. Well, no, they're not going to sign. They're going to make these kind of trades. They're going to trade. I, yep. They're going to trade all the draft capital if, for. If you're hey, Chuck Fletcher, you better be calling Arizona. All right. All right. So Konechny had two. Patrick Brown scored. Hodgson scored. And then Farabee got the empty netter, which Farabee was desperately trying to get to James Van Reems, like, and then finally just was like, all right, fine. I'll make you know the what? move and shoot. And he shrugged I, afterwards, which was funny. I read that as him being a good teammate. He comes down, he sees the open net, and I see him do a quick scan. Is Travis Konechny on the ice? Because if Travis Konechny's on the ice, he's got two, and I'm hitting them. Sure. That, that's what I saw. J- I mean, he looks off JVR, no problem, no big deal. But I saw I mean, that as JVR a— He looked at JVR afterwards and shrugged like, I tried. Sorry. sorry. No, I no. saw that as a Travis Konechny check, because when a guy's got two goals and the net's empty, you got to be looking for him, right? Oh, I got, by the way, okay, so by the way, I got to mention somebody else in the last, or two other players in the last couple of games. Yeah. That did not score goals at all. Okay. But that have started to pile up some points. Kevin Hayes looks healthier. Kevin Hayes looks and, healthier. And yep. Uh, what did he have? Two. He had at least two assists in St. Louis. Because he had a really strong game there. Yeah, he, he had a good game. He played a lot in St. Louis too. Like about, they went on that power play right away, and he was on the ice for almost that whole power play. Yeah. And then how about Cam York? Two assists in St. Louis as well. Man, Cam York. And the one assist was a stretch pass. Yep. I I don't want to. Eventually got the goal, but I'm going to try to pump the brakes here and not overblow this too much. Cam York looks good. He looks like right. a legitimate NHL piece. At you this needed point. him. To, you needed him to emerge, and this is the yep. time for him to emerge. And there, there's two things. I wouldn't be sending him back, which, theoretically speaking, they can't because they've already burned. Like Hodgson's up right now on an emergency call up. Okay. So it doesn't burn one of the four that you have post deadline. Okay. They sent York and Willman down to the minors on deadline day. To get them eligible for the playoffs, right? If okay. in the, which, it's it's becoming more and more of a pipe dream for the Phantoms. Uh, for the Phantoms, but I I do think the Phantoms have like at least a week's worth, maybe a little more of games beyond the, the NHL season. That okay. you could also send them back and go like, hey, when your season's over, get a couple still, more games in. You can if still you want. come back and maybe play a couple more games at that level if you're in a spot where you can obviously like if, right. if, you're not, if you're not even re- like the slightest bit recovering from something but right and it, for a guy like Cam York if you can get him those games if he's healthy enough to play in right. those games that's a good thing right but obviously at this point like you're not going to use an immediate call up on one of those players and then say oh by the way we're sending you down right like they are here for the last whatever's left now i think it's down to 15 or or, or something like that it's or, i'm it's, sorry no, it's, it's 17, 17 or 18 it's too many 17. games it's two but it, cuz it's two more it's tonight and then it's tonight and then tuesday and then for whatever reason one of these rare 3 day breaks yep that you don't have any explanation for whatsoever i mean listen i'll take it but it's one of those rare 3 day breaks and then they're back home, and then it's kind of – believe it or not, I think once they get back home to start April, there's a lot of back-to-backs. Like, they, they play a back-to-back next weekend. They play a back-to-back the week after. They play a back-to-back the weekend after. And I think they still have one more beyond that. That's also Man, a home that, away. It's that like really home-and-home weekend with Buffalo, phew, that's going to be an ugly weekend of hockey. 
Gee, thanks. <laughs> it's going to be an ugly weekend of hockey. Uh, the only thing I guess that I feel positive about with that is at least the Saturday night game is on is on the road, so I get to be here. Right. Instead of worrying about, like, like I, well, I, I guess the other positive, too, is, is that for a Sunday afternoon, like for a Sunday home game, 5 o'clock is a lot better than 7. Yeah, like, you're right. There's one of them somewhere in here, and I'm trying to remember. No, okay, it's not a Sunday, but okay. I think it was the Islander game, though. Doing the Islander game, which I think was a 7 o'clock on a Sunday night. Or no, the Islander game was a 2. What am I saying? It was the week, oh, the week before. It was the Montreal game was a 7 o'clock right. night. Like, doing a game at 7 o'clock at night on a Sunday isn't fun. It just kind of feels weird. Yeah. Like, 2 o'clock was great. 5 o'clock's going to be okay. It's a little rough, but it's not, you know... And the week after that, Pittsburgh at four o'clock. At four. I love the season ending on a Friday at seven. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah, they definitely did that so they can uh, we can bury locker clean out day well, Saturday morning. <laughs> right, I was gonna say, but there's nothing better than like, hey, listen, we're just gonna do this on Saturday morning. That's everybody else, and then you could theoretically on Sunday do the same thing with like management and stuff like that. Hey, here's the coach, here's management, and end your whole thing. And then you go into kind of a hibernation for a while because, right. I mean, do they have, like, we'll go into this in the coming weeks, but they're like free agency, like, not, I don't want to say free agency, but like re-signing UFAs and RFAs is not going to be a huge deal for this team because they've taken care of a lot of them. Yep. Like the, about the only drama you might have in that regard is if you wanted to, like, how if, much does Keith Yandel make next year? No, it's not that. But if you like, if you wanted to establish a long, like if you wanted to build around Sanheim and jump the gun on that deal with one year left, you could explore it. I don't. I'm not saying they're going to, but that's like the one that you could. Like they did. Like think about how last season they did this. They did this with Couturier. They did this with Farabee, so that they were already ahead of the game with them. They could do that with a guy like, with like Sanheim. The rest, um, I'm not sure about. Like everybody else, like like what are you gonna do? Like with Zach McEwen, who also scored a goal this week, by the way. But Zach, what are you gonna do with Zach McEwen? Like you wait that one out until you get really close, and you give him like that near. If you if if you bring him back, you give him the one million dollar deal. If he's if so, so much depends over this summer on what direction they go. If Chuck Fletcher's fired. And they bring in somebody who actually wants to start a rebuild. The whole conversation about the summer completely changes. Because what we're kind of expecting is Chuck Fletcher to still be in charge. And the team to be, quote, aggressively retooling. I know it's a term we've used a lot here. And it's because it's the term they used. Right. And a lot of these decisions vary drastically depending on what happens there. And I'm a firm believer, by the way, that if you're going to fire Chuck Fletcher, it has to be sometime between now and the end of the season. If you get into the off season and let him start talking to free agents, let him start thinking about drafting people, let him start blah, 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 then you can't fire him. Or, I mean, you can, but why? There's no coherent plan at that point. You want to know what's going to happen because it's just par for the course. He's going to stay and they're going to aggressively retool and be aggressively medium next year. Okay, here's what's going to happen. This is just the way this is no like I'm not sitting here telling you this is exactly what's going to happen. This sure. Is just, this is a gut feeling because of the fact that this is the way things go for this franchise. What they should have done is when you make the coaching change and don't really get any improvement, 
from it to the point where, okay, your losing streak hits what it was for a couple of games, and then you start winning again in December, and then it all fizzles out, and you go on a 13-game losing streak instead of a 10. Yeah, they they flashed up Mike Yo's you, record on this wait, national broadcast. It's like 7-22. and 22. You had every reason to make that change right then and there and say, all right, for the, at least the rest of this season, this is what we are. We're going to have that kind of trade deadline, and I need the guy who's going to build the team next year to start doing it this year. Like, that's the Fair. guy who makes the trade calls. They didn't do that, obviously, because Chuck Fletcher has handled everything since. I would have liked to um, see that. Well, and that's why I think we're going to end up. Yeah, Chuck Fletcher's not going anywhere at the end of the right. season, and he's going to handle this offseason. What's going to end up happening is, is that when they are not really good next year also because of it, They'll get to a point, probably right around Thanksgiving, maybe December-ish, and they'll go, all right, look at what the record is, and I'm going to throw out a hypothetical number at a quarter mark. Let's say they are 7, 12, and 6. Okay. Something ridiculous. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure that's even realistic, but you know what I mean. They've, but they've played something like 20, 25 games, and that's what the record is. They're going to go, all right, that's it. See ya. And then next year's chalk. And, and what they're you know, and, you know, and what they're going to do by doing that is try to save face. Look, yep. we moved on from the guy who hasn't gotten it done. What they like right now, in my opinion, is that he'll do whatever they want him to do in terms of which is where the it's why it's why what bothers me about the like when Dave Scott gets up there and says blank checks, I'm writing blank checks. Yeah, so guess what the guy who gets the blank checks is gonna do? He's gonna spend them. Yep. He's going to go and do whatever he thinks is the right thing to do to make the team better immediately because your answer to the problem is, I'll just throw money at it. When you're not taking the steps to develop, to draft, to do... Like, in the back of my mind, I know people criticize Chuck Fletcher as a general manager. I'm not trying to say what he's done is good. But I don't think that he's dumb either. Like, I think that he has said in the past hints, or at least given hints to, I know the best way to build it. Right. And it's countered by... But I can write a blank check for you. To to his credit, I, I just took a look real quick because I wasn't positive. I was pretty sure Joel Farabee had signed his extension. Yeah, that yeah, extension yeah. looks pretty tidy at this point. Six years, five million for well, depending potentially on your yeah. best forward. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't I agree with you. I don't think Chuck Fletcher should have the reins of this team. I don't think he should have had them at the deadline. I certainly don't think he should have them going into the offseason. But it certainly looks like that's kind of where we're at. It doesn't look like that's going to change. Think about what you allow him to do as as the general manager of Google. Whether he's making all like he's calling all of the shots or not, which I don't believe he is. I think that there's. I think this is a group effort. I understand. But I believe like he's the guy who's theoretically calling the shots. He's the guy who's going to get up in front of the media more often than everybody else who's involved in the process. As such, he's the guy who you are linking everything to to make. What could be fran- like this is why people freak out about the Claude Giroux trade because that's supposed to be a franchise-altering decision. You're trading a captain, a leader of the team, a guy who played a thousand games here. You're ending one chapter and opening up a new book almost. Oh yeah, and that was uh, like what you got back while having no leverage, and I understand that. He's still the guy at the forefront because his name's attached to it. He announces these things. He's the name on the press releases. He's yep. the guy. He's the guy who gets on, you know, interviewed. He signed the deal. He signed off on the deal. He made the handshake. He whatever well, the terminology uh, is. That, see, I don't like the way that was phrased because I don't. He's not the only one who signs off on trades. 
I understand, but, but he, at but the end of the day, he's the figurehead the, on it. Right. He's the name who gets credit because of the fact or or lack thereof. Right. Like because of the fact that his name like when they a press release, he's on it. Not to say that like Dave Scott was on a press release too about Giroux, but that's beside the point. He's just right. a figure who comes in and gives a statement because he wouldn't make a state like Dave Scott's name isn't on a press release for the trade of Justin Braun. Oh right, or Derek Broussard. Right, it's on the release for Claude Giroux because you're talking about a thousand games. Well, right, and you you even mentioned it the the end of an era, right? All the right. all the signage in the building with Claude Giroux's face on it was coming down, like yeah, dramatically changes the whole entire face right. of your franchise. So when you have that happen, not even just when you have that happen, but so Chuck Fletcher's the name that's attached to it. He's going to be the name that's attached to everything with it then he's attached to these yep. potentially franchise altering trades which you should like you're hoping you go and get something that makes a difference he's also Eesh. the guy who's also who's attached to the decision to an extent or a bigger extent than maybe it should be of who coaches the team next year yep which uh, so what happens at, like think about what happens if you fire him mid-season after he hires another coach Yep. Then now you have that, to, now that, that coach is not, probably gone too. I don't know about that because of the fact that somewhere down the line you might have an agreement in place where you're like, let's put this way. They have to tread lightly on the coaching decision anyway if they don't keep Yo. It's going to be John Tortorella. I don't know if they can do that, to be honest. And I'll tell you why they, they – I don't know if they can do that because of the fact that John Tortorella is another big-name coach who demands big money. You are paying $10 million to Elaine Vigneault over the next two years that – you know, listen. If that's if 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 you want to listen to everybody who says blank checks and do that, be my guest. It would be you know, it would it could either be a it could either be a disaster or it could be great for people who are in my shoes. I was gonna say, tell we'll me always, it wouldn't be fun from a media perspective. Because we'll always have something. You're right, but I don't know how they go anywhere with that decision. I so, I think I, I I'm gonna go back to I think I don't remember if I said this name I pro I probably did I guarantee I did on a previous episode back in December when we were talking about all this stuff but I, I'm sorry if you want me to get behind a name right now today I'm getting behind David Quinn okay I like David Quinn I like um... I'm getting behind a guy who does not give you crazy high expectations I'm getting behind a guy who is more more of a placeholder. Right. You like the, to be to be honest. You don't have to pay him a lot of money, not to the level of some of these other coaches. You don't have to worry about paying off what you still owe to Elaine Vigneault for firing him. Right. And you can be, you know, I don't want to say in three years you're going to be great, but you can do something where you go, hey, you know what? In three years, it'll be time again. And I know people don't want to hear, hey, there's another coach coming in, but then maybe you are in that spot where you go, all right, it's go time. Or maybe David Quinn's a good enough coach this time around that you don't feel that need. I personally would like to see Travis Green, uh, former coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Name. Yeah, and I don't hate that name as a guy who I think could be a developmental type coach. The, the problem is it's going to be Rick Tockett. I don't think it is, actually. The more that I keep hearing stuff, the more I don't think it is at all. I, I think we'll see. And I think something that I've talked about in this show for a very long time uh, about who the true decision makers are on this team, and it's something we've kind of discussed ad nauseum here. If Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren have their way, I'd be surprised if Rick Tockett wasn't a finalist. Even if they don't end up hiring him, I wouldn't be surprised if they interview him and are deep into talks and blah, blah, blah. And, or, and I, man, you know what? 
between extending Rasmus Ristolainen for five more years at $5 million and hiring Rick Tockett as your coach, we're doing a great job getting that tank going. <laughs> I mean, they are and they're not because beating St. Louis is not exactly helping your cause either. No, but it was fun and I'll take it because I was there. I know. <laughs> All right. I, I, I mean, when you look, like, look, when you when Ottawa's not winning games and New Jersey's not winning games, like you need as much like right now should be really you're, you're right. Well, right now should be in a way really be tank time because of the fact that like you're playing teams that you should just be losing. Like, like you can't get much better than a game like the Detroit game where you go, you're in it. You got like you went down three nothing. You clawed your way back in it. You're down three two. You're down four three. You look like you could have a shot. Mm, not nah, never mind. Right. And it's perfect that way. Like, you kind of want to be mildly competitive. You want to come out of it with positives for, like, hey, this guy played well. This guy had a solid game. This guy made a nice play, did this well. You want all of those things to show that you have something, but you also get to do it potentially without winning. And both things help your case. So, right. uh, before we get out of here, as we go to maybe some other stuff around the league, we obviously want to get to this. Yeah, let's. So Claude Giroux has made his debut with the Panthers. It happened Thursday night, the same night I was in St. Louis. I did not get a chance to watch that game, but walking towards the Enterprise Center, getting ready to go in for warmups, I look at my phone and saw that Claude Giroux had an assist on their first goal of the game. Okay, so th- I cannot stress enough to you how much because I watched I watched the first period because it was the game was an hour before the Flyers were on. So if I, I wasn't to going to the game in St. Louis, I would have been watching it also for sure. Well, I do. Uh, so I have something I'm going to say about this whole thing after the fact down the line. But I'll start with the first game because everybody, listen, there's nothing wrong with having all eyes on him in his first game outside of a Flyers uniform sure. in 15 years. I it looked that. weird, man. It did look weird. Um, well, everything looked weird. I, I turned around. I even said in the, in the midst of all of the other stuff I did podcast wise, writing wise, like before we recorded on last week, which we did a day late on Monday because of yeah. the deadline. I wrote up his introductory press conference and then saved all the Chuck Fletcher stuff for the next day because all of it kind of came out right. Like he didn't get to talk until close to six. And then I was recording all night. I just didn't really have time to put it all together until the evening. And it was like, okay, by now I'm just going to put it out in the morning. And that was the end of that. But it was weird to even do that article and go here. Here's a screen capture from the like a video of him wearing a Panthers hat. And like, you're going, okay, that's that's already weird. The jersey yep. was the and full uniform was weird, but you couldn't get much more of a perfect first thirty-five seconds for Claude Giroux than the team takes a penalty, whatever number of seconds in. Giroux goes out there for the penalty kill because he can win faceoffs. I don't, he's he's probably not even out there to kill the whole penalty. He's probably out there again just to win the faceoff and get a clear and then get to the bench. All right, we saw him do that in here for a long time. And Montreal scored eight seconds into the power play, and like. Everybody jumped all over that with the, oh, how nice of the Florida Panthers to welcome Claude Drew by having a penalty kill that resembled everything he got in Philadelphia. Yeah, you're really like, making the guy feel at home. Right. Like, how nice of them to make him feel at home. And then eight seconds later off of that, they scored their first goal of the game. Drew, and by the- got, Drew got an assist because he won the faceoff pretty much. Hey, who else got an assist on that goal? Oh, Robert Haig. <laughs> Right. So the Florida Panthers, by the way, if you're looking for a bandwagon team heading into the playoffs and you're a Flyers fan and things are kind of falling off the rails here, you might have already been leaning towards the Florida Panthers just because they got Claude Giroux. 
While they also have several other former Flyers, including Robert Hag, Radko Gudis, and longtime Flyers legend Sergei Borowski. <laughs> it's I, I I cannot stress enough how much this, this is becoming Flyers South. If if the L.A. Kings used to be Flyers, Flyers West. West, you've yep. got Flyers South now. Man, why couldn't why couldn't Florida trade for Jeff Carter? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, um, but either way, so I mean, so. Drew has the assist on that goal. He got an assist later in the game, too. So he ended up with, I believe he ended up with two points in that debut. I, I have to check because I think there were some people who said something about one was going to be taken away somewhere or something. He still he still had two assists. And then I believe he had two assists again in game two um, on Saturday when they played. He Ottawa. did. He's got four assists in two games, which is no just a goals, very Claude Giroux. It's, it's, it's very a very Claude Giroux stat line for okay. assists. Now, I do want to voice something and I have no problems doing this down. Like we'll do this down the road because we're sure, I'm sure we're going to do this all the time. I have no problem if people want to make this their team because he's on it. You want him to win. No it is an acceptable that. bandwagon option for sure. I just don't need, here's what, here's what it is. I, I will be able to see what he's doing because I see what most of the scores are every night. I really don't need my, like I'm not going to and I hope that other people who do what I do aren't going to spend every single night for the rest of the year updating what he's done when it's not relevant to the game at all. Like um I don't mind if he's if he's putting up points if you want to, you know, if you want to tweet out, "Oh, Giroux got an assist on this." Like I I don't love it. I wouldn't personally do it. But I don't have a problem with it. Like I don't he's the most it. interesting thing to follow for the rest of the season for a lot of Flyers fans. Right, but you're gonna have two months to do that. Hopefully, if if all goes well, where and I say like I said, that meaning when their season's over at the end of April, you can go full Claude Giroux watch. Go and I have and a feeling it. a lot of Philly outlets will. Right, like and I pre- I'm prepared to do the same thing. Like when yep. we're talking playoffs, when I'm not tweeting about the Flyers specifically because there's nothing happening then yes I will be all over a bunch of situations because I will be all over hey you know what Justin Braun gave three years here and the Rangers are doing this in the, in the playoffs I you think know. you should make goal graphics for Claude Giroux Robert Hag Radko Gudis you're lucky I have a goal graphic made for uh, Owen Tippett uh, did you have a Hayden Hodgson one no because first of all okay first of all and I'll tell you why actually it's a good reason um Usually the picture that I put with it is from a home game, and he hasn't okay. played a home game yet, right. obviously. Um, not to mention the fact that I had like I had nothing. I don't even have a preseason game with the guy wearing a jersey to sit there and say, hey, listen, I'll grab something from that. He's never worn a Flyers jersey before. Pretty much. I mean, the guy right. had never worn a Flyers jersey up until Thursday and then happened to score in it. So, like... <laughs> I'm not. No, you got caught out a little bit there. No, you, There's no shame actually, in that. Actually, and and that this is why I don't even have something prepared with that. Even when Jerry Mayhew was scoring goals, I grabbed his headshot at least and used that. By the way, he scored for the Anaheim Ducks on Saturday yeah, night. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, so I don't even have a headshot because he's so newly signed to the team in general with a standard contract that they didn't even have a preseason headshot of him. That's like, really funny. Like, at least with Mayhew, there was. Like, okay, yeah, before the season started, regardless of whether anybody thought he was going to be up here or not, he did take a headshot he wearing was in a the organization, jersey. right. Because he's in the organization, exactly. They knew there was a chance, but okay. So, But I, I, just ho- I just hope that that's not, like, every single night because Florida's playing on the same night that the Flyers are or vice versa or whatever. Right. Well, we did um, we did kind of mention the rest of the season and the playoffs and stuff like that. So, real quick, mm-hmm. 
Uh, just kind of glancing through, I'm going to read off these playoff matchups, and we're not going to go super deep in on them right now, but I just want you to highlight one matchup you're looking at. So if the if the season ended today, Florida would play Toronto, or I'm sorry, Florida would play Washington, Boston would play Tampa, Carolina would play Toronto, Pittsburgh would play the Rangers, uh, Colorado would play Vegas, uh, Calgary would play Nashville, Minnesota would play St. Louis, L.A. would play Edmonton. Which of those matchups, if the season were to end today, which of those matchups are you the most excited for? Because, man, Carolina-Toronto sounds like a great series. Do I have to pick one in the East? Or can I just pick all four? All four series are going to look like, are going to be great, but, man, Car- like, to me, it's Carolina-Toronto. Like, no, but like Carolina-Toronto is intriguing. Pittsburgh Rangers is intriguing. Boston-Tampa is very intriguing. Like, I'm not trying to di- I'm not trying to wipe away Florida Washington there, but it might be the least intriguing of the four. Fair enough. Like those three in the middle are outstanding. And then I go and then I go to the West. I mean, Colorado Vegas is an interesting one in the first round because of the fact that for years and years and years we said that's the that that should be the Western Conference final practically. Right. And now like I mean, let's that's remember. that's assuming Vegas stays there. By the way, right? We need to go into the teams that aren't in that could be in because, like, Dallas could definitely be there. I wouldn't even rule out Vancouver. I know it's uh, not. I know Vancouver's got. Well, here's the reason I wouldn't rule out Vancouver. Dallas has is would be more in the driver's seat with the amount of games played. Dallas is definitely in the driver's seat for that last wild card spot. Yeah. But if Dallas falters in any way, Vancouver's right there on Vegas. And they did make the coaching change. And what happens if they creep into the playoffs? They're like, a just problem. what happened. Like, I wouldn't even rule out Winnipeg right now because Winnipeg's only four back. Okay. I think I think that's where you draw the line because I think after that, San Jose. Yeah, it, it falls off a cliff. There's not enough time and I left. Must, and, and I, you know, what? I I must say, San Jose or Anaheim kind of falling out of it here is disappointing because they looked like a really fun team early in the year, and they've kind of. Just lo- maybe the, they've regressed you know, back to where they probably should be, to be honest. And that's probably an experience, to be honest. Like they've got a lot of experience when it comes to goaltending, right? But listen, when it came down to it, you traded Josh Manson at the, at a time when he would have probably helped you get over the top, like if you were closer. But you're not closer, so oh, right. You gotta you gotta live with that. Like they're they're getting closer to being back in there, but they're not there yet. And they've got a lot of talent, and they'll be there down the road, but it's not there yet. I'm intrigued by those three teams. You know me. Now you, we've done this long enough. You know me when it comes to the playoffs. I'm always a big, and, and this kind of doubles up on the Drew thing, because I'm a big fan of teams that have never won before. Okay. When it comes, if the Flyers aren't in the playoffs, and I'm not covering what I hope is a long playoff run, which obviously, like, I mean, come on, it ain't happening this year. Well, those two were those those two phrases haven't fit in the same sentence in a while. Uh, you made Game Seven against the Islanders in bubble hockey, but yeah, I understand one, what you're saying. In general. Well, I'm saying one time in ten years is not exactly. I know, but you, you know, were regular. you were one period away from the, the Eastern Conference Finals. But like, okay, so here's where I'm at. Like, this is where I mean when I'm like what I mean when I'm saying this. Boston or Boston Tampa Bay is an intriguing playoff <sighs> as a hockey fan, but I don't know that I want either team to win because I've seen it. Right, they both have success in the last like, 10 years. Re- like, so. like, and to be, like, here's the thing. To be honest, I'd be more okay with Boston winning than Tampa Bay because it's kind of getting old. It's been longer, right? Yeah, see, I kind of wouldn't mind Tampa winning just because three in a row? Come on. 
I guess I'm starting to like listen. If they win three in a row, then we know the reason why because they've made every right decision. I think that's why I'm so in on this Carolina Toronto series because yeah, I know Carolina's won, but they don't have any players on the roster from that team except Rod and <laughs> Toronto. Obviously, we all know 1967. Blah blah blah. That's a fun series, man. Also, just give me Freddie Anderson shutting down the Leafs in a playoff series. <laughs> oh, it's just. It's poetic if it happens. The dream here out of that whole thing is if we get it down to Florida, Carolina. Like, make that the conference final. And I don't care who wins because either I'm getting Florida, who's never won a cup before in their franchise history, and Claude Drew's getting his shot, or or I'm getting Carolina. And Rod Brindamore deserves one as a coach as much as he deserves one as a player. And the NHL rejoices because you have two southern markets deep in the playoffs. (laughs) Oh I, well, I kind of like I kind of like that screw you aspect of that too, where it's like who who needs your major market? These are two of your best teams in the league right now. It's Deal with a, it. It's going to be L.A. and Vegas out of the West. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I okay. So if Vegas I, makes the playoffs, they're dangerous, man. Like I know we talked about them potentially missing, and they're so kind of I, in a you know, spot look, where they're pretty vulnerable at the moment. So when I look at the West, I, like they're to be honest, there's not a team, there's not many teams out here. I'm I'm, I'm like opposed to winning. In right. the West, it's in there right now. I mean, Colorado hasn't won since Ray Bork. It's it's long overdue, and they've got a great team, and they've got a bunch of players who would have earned it. I'm they deserve it. They're, They're full blown in their Stanley Cup window. I'm going to tell you right now. I watched the tail end of the Minnesota game last night. That team's fun. That team's good. Yeah, and Mark Mark Andre Fleury changes things there. I'd love to see it. Um you know, St. Louis got theirs recently, so it's kind of less of a thing. Yep. Uh, I don't think St. Louis is good enough to make it that far anyway. I, I agree. I think you have one of two teams coming out of the West, and it's Colorado or Vegas, honestly. And Calgary's there, too. Never mind. I was going to say, Calgary would be a really fun one because Calgary's another one of those teams. You know, they haven't won in a while, either. Calgary. It, well, any Canadian team hasn't won in a while, so, like, take your pick. If You know, right now, I mean... The shame of it is, is that in the East, you're going to get one representative. That's it. Toronto's yep. it. Right. All the eggs are in that basket. In in the West, it's probably two. Vancouver, Calgary. But Vancouver and Winnipeg. Or, well, Winnipeg. No, it, it, well, Edmonton it's and not going to be Vancouver and Winnipeg. No, it's Calgary and Edmonton right now. Right. And then you might get a Vancouver or a Winnipeg to sneak in. Right. If somebody's in the right spot, like at the right time, if they're in the Vegas spot, you got to not do. I think that that team's going far. Probably not. Like, I'm sorry, if you're Vancouver or Winnipeg and you creep into the playoffs, and then get Colorado. Well, and uh, here's the luck. thing. We can say probably and we'll win and blah, blah, blah. We've seen it before, man. Well, right. I the think playoffs you, are a whole would, ball, a whole different ball of wax. Well, and if it happened in the West this year, it would be a Tampa Bay Columbus situation. Right. It would just be one of those. I mean, no, Colorado is not on that level. Colorado is not winning 62 games, but Colorado is going to win 50. Colorado's good. Well, right. Like Colorado is pretty much at this point, I would say the odds on favorite. It out of the either, West, I would say. It, yeah. Well, out of the West, but in general, I mean, it feels like it. It's hard to bet against the two time champs. It is. I don't know how they're not your favorite. Like, there are two teams right now that are better than they are. In, in okay. their own conference. But are they better, or is Tampa Bay just pacing themselves? 
Well, we'll see when the playoffs roll around. I mean, right, because I like Tampa last year was a good team, but they weren't as dominant as they were, you know, the year they lost to Columbus in the first round. Right. I look, I, I like Tampa better than Boston, and then that's where it starts to get interesting. I think Florida's more geared up for a playoff run against Tampa this time around than they were last time. Florida is geared up. I even think Carolina is in a position where they've made some moves where you go, they're gearing up. Every team that made a move outside of Tampa, who also made a move at the deadline. Every team in the East added. But, but every yeah. team did because every team turned around and looked and went, we got, we, well, no, we got to be ready for that. We got to yep. be ready for that team in particular. And it's an arms by, race and Tampa's sitting at the top. Preparing, right, but by preparing for that team, you're preparing yourself for everybody else. You're yep. if you, like if you're Carolina adding, you're not just sitting here saying, "I need to compete with Tampa. I need to compete with Florida too. I need to yep. compete with Toronto, it's Toronto, be, Carolina." Every team yep. felt the need to add to their roster for that reason. And we'll see who gets there. It's gonna, that's going to be one of the best things about the playoffs is that that race is wide open because of the fact that every team is literally made a move that says going for it. The Absolutely. West on the and then the West is just wide open in general because it's it, it pretty much has been the entire season. Colorado's really good, but they're not immune to losing. Yep. And you know what? I think that is a good place. We're going to end here with a question: uh, Who do you think makes the playoffs in the West? What matchup are you most excited for in the East? Who do you think comes out of the East? Uh, you can tweet us uh, at YWT Podcast. You can tweet Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Um, while we're here, so I, we kind of forgot to put the ticker up today, but if you're watching on our YouTube channel, we <laughs> usually have our little socials ticker going there at the bottom. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, like I just said. You can find the show anywhere you find your podcast, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, sportstalkphilly.com. Make sure to follow them at Sports Talk PHL at Flyer Delphia. Uh, you can find the uh, the podcast up there. Uh, Kevin usually posts it the day after we go up. And uh, Philly, yes. Yep. So, so that usually goes out on Monday morning. We'll still. I'm trying to figure out exactly because the game is on at six o'clock tonight Eastern Time. Yep. So we'll maybe maybe I'll delay the start of the, like the release of the pod for an hour to get to nine because game will be over by then. You'll right. hear us. You can hear us talk after the fact. Yep, you but know, we will if, be. If you're not interested in the post game, the general usual post game stuff, you can listen to us. Yep. Um, I do want to close out with the fact that since we just did all of that playoff talk and all that type of stuff, yeah. Um, this if if you are going to tweet at us or tell us who you think is going to make the matches or whatever, you you are going to get a good look b- between now and our next show at three of these teams yep. because Sunday night is Nashville, Tuesday is Minnesota, Saturday is Toronto. And yeah, they're all going to be on display. I mean, they get more than that for the rest of the year. Who else do they play? They've, I know they've got the Rangers twice. Washington's on the schedule. Toronto's on the schedule again. Pittsburgh's on the schedule. They might play Winnipeg in a in a game that Winnipeg needs. Right, Winnipeg. That Winnipeg game matters down the stretch for them. For, yeah, for them. Well, the, all of those games kind of matter to me in a way because, like, I even sit there and go for the last two games of the season where it shouldn't matter. Winnipeg might need it for a playoff spot. And if Ottawa beats you, they might pass you in the standings. Right, and for Ottawa, it could very well be draft lottery seeding. Yep. Like, it could very well that be might, a draft That might be a seeding. real ugly game if both te- teams need a loss. Well, and, and for what it's worth, I say the same thing about the back-to-back against Buffalo and the game against the um, against Montreal later that week. Yep. Like, you're down the stretch with less than 10 to go, and you play Buffalo twice, Montreal, and Ottawa. I mean, Chicago's becoming less of a factor in this because Chicago's come close enough that they're creating a cushion. You're talking games that might have some serious, serious impact for draft lottery purposes. 
Yep. After and the fact that you get like all of these playoff teams in yep. between every and, single, just about every single game. And we are going to start turning our attention here on the show towards the future, towards the draft, towards the offseason. I know you heard a little bit of that today. And All right. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. Make sure to follow us. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can search us over there, and we're trying to grow it over there. And we premiere our episodes every Sunday. So, uh, so tonight at, at 9 for everybody who watch. Usually 8 o'clock, but a we're going to do 9 tonight just to get it past the game. Well, and I, so. I, I, I don't even want to say like commit to anything because there are a couple more Sunday games in there. The, the afternoon ones will help us, but I think there's a night game in there somewhere where we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, that one but. might be an that one might be an early premiere. I would say, you know what? Maybe that's what we'll do. The Ranger game is at seven. That might be what I did. I did that for the Montreal game that was at seven too, where we premiered ahead of the game. We premiered at like five thirty, six o'clock to okay. get the whole episode in before the game started. We'll probably do that next week, and then from there it's the usual eight o'clock premieres because yeah. you got a couple of games that are early enough for that. You've got a off days. It's good stuff. But we're here for the rest of the year for you, and then playoff time. And then we'll be back. Yep, we're only a couple of weeks out from playoffs. I'm starting to get excited. So uh, until then, we'll be back next week, and uh, we'll see you.